Well, uh, you're lucky because it's short today. I have one, one point. One point that comes straight out of the Scripture that is a call to die as a reflection of faithfulness. There are a couple ways that it means a couple different things in our passage, but the basic intent is pretty clear. It's not hard to miss. It's right there <laughs> in four words at the end of verse 10. Be faithful unto death. Be faithful to the time of death and to the extent of death. Like whatever you think that means in terms of the timing of your faithfulness or the extent of your faithfulness, the answer is yes, that's what it means. <laughs> Be faithful unto death. Because what we clearly, if we open ourselves to the work of God in our lives, what we clearly learn quickly is that faithfulness is not easy. And it rarely looks like we expect. Never really seems to look like we want. Faithfulness is something that only comes with time. It doesn't happen in a moment. It happens in many moments of small decisions of obedience and personal holiness to God put together that make faithfulness. And it's, it's only truly faithfulness if the direction of one's life is to and for the glory of God instead of men. It is only truly faithfulness if the direction of one's life is to and for the glory of God instead of men and instead of ourselves. You see, faithfulness is really easy when everybody's looking. It's easy when the stakes are low. It's easy when Sunday smiles and glad-handing are the order of the day and everyone's happy. Faithfulness, when there is no pressure, is not faithfulness. At that point, it's too easy for it to be for us. Even for all of us. Pretending. But when it involves hard things like showing up when you're tired, speaking kindly when you're confronted with gossip, working hard when no one's looking, developing relationships with those who do not benefit you, that's when you begin to learn what faithfulness looks like. And we read today in Revelation of people who knew the depths of God's faithfulness to them because we see it in their faithfulness to God. They clearly, tangibly knew and experienced intimately the depths of God's faithfulness to them because we see it in their faithfulness to God. The kind of persecution that was going on when the people of Smyrna here were commended by Jesus Christ in this letter uh, for, their, for their endurance and persecution is the kind of uh, endurance and persecution that none of us imagines enduring. We call being asked to give of our money or of our time or of our resources in even relatively small ways, we call that persecution sometimes. What they called persecution involved 
having one's head chopped off. And enduring pain and suffering on an order that we pray and beg we never have to experience. And to see a picture of that kind of faithfulness during that kind of suffering is to see clearly that they know personally the depths of God's faithfulness to them. There's a historian named Eusebius who described the suffering of one young female slave during that time. Her name was Blandina. This young female slave was worried that she might not be able, through the weakness of her own body, to be bold enough or strong enough physically to make a confession of Christ when they tortured her. That was her concern. She was repeatedly beaten and tortured as they took turns doing that from morning until evening, and her torturers eventually admitted that they themselves were beaten, they had nothing left to do to her, and they marveled that she remained alive. They testified that any one of the many tortures that they had done to her was sufficient to destroy life. But this young slave girl who loved Christ more than her own physical comfort continued to suffer while finding strength and courage by saying, I am a Christian woman. And she made her confession to her Lord when it hurt and when it was hard. And we are put off if our sandwich comes to the table with the wrong toppings. The picture we see in Scripture should motivate every one of us to give everything we have when asked to the point of death. Stories of faithfulness like this are stories of faithfulness forged through fire. And that's what motivated Jesus to come into this church, to look at that church in Smyrna, and to commend them for that kind of faithfulness. Stories like this faithful-to-the-death slave girl were known by those in the church, like young Polycarp, a man who grew up in this very church, hearing this letter, sitting like you in the pew, when this letter from Jesus came and said, I commend you for being faithful. The world would know this man as one of the most faithful believers of that day. And so for us, for you in these pews, hearing these words, let them ring with that kind of sound in your ear. That Jesus Himself comes and looks among us and sees your heart and knows our works and says, Fear not. Be faithful unto death. Read along with me. Verse 8. It's just a few verses. Revelation 2, verses 8 through 11. It says this, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write this, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Verse 10, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you 
the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Jump back to verse 8 there. It says this, And to the angel of the church, angel is just a word here, that means messenger. So this angel, this messenger, is transmitting information to the church on behalf of Jesus. And we see that the Spirit is involved in every one of these letters. So clearly, this angel, this messenger, represents Christ's information. To the angel, to the church in Smyrna, write, the words of the first and the last. This is meant to call to mind Revelation 1.8, where it speaks of Jesus saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. The capital A and the capital O, the first and the last part of the Greek alphabet. They recall for us that Jesus is Creator God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we know that this is Jesus because He is the one here. Keep reading. It says this, He is the one who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty and all that will come on later, but it says the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Let's look at that for a second. In other words, in this passage here, Jesus is saying, I know death. He knows fear. And and the key to our faithfulness is that it is modeled on his own death and life. The key to our faithfulness, namely, is that it is modeled on His faithfulness. You're not faithful on your own terms. You don't get to set the terms for what faithfulness looks like and how you get to choose what that faithfulness is going to mean. You're only faithful on God's terms. He died and came to life, it says. In other words, He has experienced a level and a depth of hatred from other people that none of us have ever nor will ever know. He has experienced and conquered death and only the Alpha and the Omega comes to life because death has no power over him. It can't stop God's will. Death does not stop God's plan to make known His glory. In fact, He uses it and redeems it and conquers it for his own purposes so it is this jesus the one who's been through death conquered it been raised to life that's the one who speaks verse 9 and says i know i know your tribulation and your poverty there's that phrase again i know which shows up in every one of these seven letters It means I'm intimately intimately involved. I'm all-knowing. I'm all-seeing. And what he knows here is your tribulation. It's just a word that means trial or difficulty. Uh, This isn't a tribulation of some crazy end times chart, by the way. Uh, That's a hint for how I feel about end times charts. Uh, This tribulation just means hardship. It says he knows your tribulation and your poverty. Poverty. He's speaking to the Christians at Smyrna, but he says, but you are rich. That's about spiritual riches, not just material riches. Notice the contrasts that go on in here. It says, they're even hinted for us in the first verse where it says, the first and the last. He died and he came to life. There's tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. 
Jesus is commending them, and, and only in this letter, and in the letter to Philadelphia later, is there not any hint of repent, like there is in all the other letters. The word repent doesn't show up here. And of, of the seven churches throughout the, the, the Revelation uh, letter, most of which are a hot mess, only two of them are given good reports, and this is one of them. This is one of the two that is commended for their works instead of also condemned for their works. And so here's part of why he knows that they are spiritually rich. It says, I know, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you're rich, and the slander of those who say they're Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Being a real Jew didn't simply happen because you were simply born into it, though that's what they thought. Being a real Jew happened uh, because you followed the Messiah. And these Christians in Smyrna were the real thing, Jesus says. They're the real thing because you followed me, he says, in the middle of hardship, when it was difficult, when there was tribulation, when there was suffering in your life. You followed me then. That's how I know you're my children, he says. That's what testing produces for us, the knowledge that we are his own. And if tribulation is what brings that, so that you know that you are in eternity with Jesus Christ, then we should heartily say, bring it on. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings. Do you want to know the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings? Or do you really, would you really rather just keep it at arm's length? He says, you don't have to keep it at arm's length. <laughs> he says, don't fear. He says, it's okay. No matter what they do to you, no matter what any cancer does to your body or boss does to you at your work or whatever the case, do not fear, verse 10. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. An encouragement straight from the mouth of the one who suffered. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days, and for ten days you will have tribulation, testing, trial, suffering, difficulty. Uh, that phrase ten days there, again, is not something to plug into an end times chart. It's just an Old Testament reference from Daniel where young Daniel was being tested before the king who had just taken him and his people captive. And Daniel said, test me for 10 days. In other words, it's only 10 days. It's a short time. So back in Revelation, what this means for this passage is that your trials, your suffering, your tribulation, as Scripture says, will be a light and momentary affliction. It will be a light and momentary affliction when set against the greatest thing you could ever treasure in your life, which is knowing Jesus in eternity with Him. So in comparison to the greatness and the treasure of knowing Christ forever as Lord and Savior, suffering is like Oh, don't, don't worry. Jesus isn't saying suffering's easy. 
In fact, he's saying suffering's hard. The Christians in Smyrna knew it and experienced it and suffered for it. And we're called to things we beg and plead and pray we never have to experience. He says, you will have tribulation. And then he says this, key, key part of this whole passage. At the end of verse 10, he says, be faithful unto death. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful both to the time of death and to the extent of death, if that's what it calls for. Be faithful until you die, and if it causes you to die. That's what Jesus-like faithfulness looks like. It's faithfulness that knows the truth of Philippians 3.10. I want to know Christ and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings. It's faithfulness no matter what that results in wearing the crown of life. The one who is faithful wins eternity with God. Verse 11, this is a phrase that's repeated throughout the letters. He who has an ear, I hope that's you. I hope you have an ear for this truth from Christ. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. The faithful one will be a conqueror. That's an awesome description that's used throughout Revelation. Because of Christ's work for us, we live lives that can be about conquering suffering, frustrations, physical pain, relational problems, You can be a conqueror over all of those things because of the one who conquers and is first and last. Victor over death and life. And that conquering doesn't come without cost. And and faithfulness is not easy. It's not nearly as easy as just, you know, showing up and punching the clock in the Christian life. If it were that easy, then the gate wouldn't be narrow. If it were so easy, then the motivation of the heart really wouldn't matter. If it were as easy as doing what looks like faithfulness, then Jesus wouldn't have to come and die for your looks like faithfulness. Because, friends, faithfulness is long-term. It's lived in the shadows as well as the light. It's forged in fire. It's doing what is hard rather than what is easy. 2 Timothy 3, verse 12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Acts 14, 22 says, Through many trials, we must enter the kingdom of God. Friends, faithfulness is picking up a broom when nobody knows there's a mess. It's praying and working with your whole heart for the goodness of God's character and nature. 
to be formed in you. It's giving when there's not a whole lot left to give. It's seeking God's direction when it costs you personally. It's getting up early to hear from God in word and prayer when you don't get enough sleep. It's finding relationships with people who do not benefit you but need a friend. And all of that has got to be a life lived as a reflection of the life lived for your salvation. Faithfulness is about a life lived as a reflection of the life lived for your salvation. Because faithfulness is modeled from a perfect, holy, infinite, all-knowing, and yet all-loving God who reaches down to make Himself known to us despite the 100% undeserved killing of His Son. So friend, how much is Jesus worth to you? We say things like, oh, I'd, I'd rather die than do this. Or, or I could never do this. Like, like I'd rather die than have to speak in front of a bunch of people. That's you know, one of the big public fears, you know. What, what, what if God's calling you to speak to one or two people? Is that an I'd rather die moment? Or is that an opportunity for your faithfulness? Many people say, I'd rather die than like be embarrassed. For many of us, that's a hidden inner, inner mantra we carry around. What if God's calling you to leave your comfort zone so that instead of a life that is faithful to your agenda of not being embarrassed, your life will be about the higher purpose of witnessing to the truth of a God who loves people by dying on a cross. Many of us carry around this thing about, I'd rather die than offend somebody. Now I'm going to preach. Do you fear man so much that you would rather offend God by not speaking both truth and love to somebody whose growth in Christ depends on your counsel? Because for many of us, the truth of the matter is that we would rather offend God by holding on to our supposed dignity and desire for others to like us for holding that closer to our hearts than we would for somebody who doesn't know Jesus to know Him. Or then for His glory to be made known. The truth is for many of us that upsetting the apple cart in any sense of the term is the sacred cow we'd much rather die protecting. Even if it means offending God's character and His nature. If we're honest, for many of us, we'd have to admit that we care about ourselves and our comforts and our ease. 
often more than we do protecting the character and nature of a God who conquered death and hell for us. That's why when he says, be faithful unto death, it counts. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. I pray that those are precious words for you today because they speak in your heart of a desire to listen to the voice of God's Spirit more than anybody else's voice. Let's pray.